AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Apparently, markets get a little risk-offy when world leaders call other world leaders dictators. But hey, someone forgot to tell the corn. Live from a day of double duty via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. We'll chat with Karen Braun of Thomson Reuters. Right after the news with Chip Flory, we'll get price action perspective from Oliver Slope of Blue Line Futures. And now, this afternoon's host of AgriTalk, the Ted Spread himself, Ted Seifert of Zaner Ag Hedge. Well, how you doing, Joe? That was a mighty fine intro, buddy. It's smooth, smooth voice you got there. I, uh, <laughs> you're made for it. You're made for live air, is, is what I'm going to say. Well, I got plenty uh, of practice this morning, so. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And, and well well done, my friend. Well oh. done. Oh, uh, shucks. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're, the, we're, I mean, I don't want to say we're the B team, because honestly, I think we are just as strong as the A team. But uh, it's great that, you know, uh the 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 big man can uh, the big man and and also the handsome newsman can uh, you know do some things that they need to get done and whatever and and the show will go on mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna say just as good if not better than new <laughs> better than normal <laughs> not better not better I can't go I ahead can't. say better why not who's gonna stop us you know I I don't think anybody <laughs> uh, Chip's definitely got some mighty big shoes to fill, but I've done it a few times. So yes, indeed, always grateful <laughs> you know. for that. Hey, I you know I enjoy doing it, so mm-hmm. you don't have to. It's it's I I thank you guys for allowing me to do it, you know. But uh, anyways, uh, wow, it was kind of a weird day, uh, as I mentioned. You know, late yesterday evening, we had uh, well President Joe Biden uh, after a meeting with uh, the Chinese President uh, Xi. Uh, somebody asked him a question, you know, do you think he's a dictator? And he said, yes, he's a dictator of a communist country and so on and so forth. And the markets did not like that. You had risk off kind of happening. Oh, everywhere. Uh, you know, crude oil in particular down $4, you know, soybeans, obviously at one point down almost 30 cents. So anything that was touching China, you know, down pretty sharply, but corn shrugged it off. So I don't know, you know, maybe Chip's got some good news. Chip's our newsman today. Woohoo. But maybe Chip's got some news on that. So, uh, hey, Chip, take it away, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Let's get some news for Ted and the crew to talk about today. Even with the U.S. dollar index trading lower, wheat was on the defensive and felt pressure from sharply lower values in crude oil and soy complex futures. Export sales of wheat in the week ended November 9. Totaled just 176,000 metric tons. That was a 57% drop from the four-week average and was well short of trade expectations. December soft red winter wheat futures opened higher and near-session highs and fell to post a mid-range close, but it was the first close below 560 since October 31st. December HRW wheat futures today, 12 and a half cents lower, 627 and a quarter. December SRW wheat down seven cents at 553 and a half. December spring wheat closed at 726, down nine and a quarter cents. 
Let's go over to the corn trade. Even with the wheat and soy complex futures lower, corn found a way to erase overnight losses and to push higher. Rains in the dry areas of the central Brazil pulled prices down into the overnight session, but demand helped prices recover. Export sales of corn in the weekend of November 9 totaled 1.9 million metric tons. That easily topped trade expectations and was 81% above the four-week average. Mexico easily topped the list of buyers and booked over 1.06 million metric tons of corn in the week. But Japan, Colombia, South Korea, they were all on the list as these traditional buyers of U.S. corn come back to the market. December corn opened slightly higher, flushed to the downside, then rallied back to close above the opening range. December corn futures, four cents higher, 474 and three quarters. March corn up four and three quarter cents, 493 and a quarter. May corn futures closed at 503 and a half, up a nickel on the day. Despite excellent demand, the rains in central Brazil weighed heavily on soybeans, soybean meal, and soybean oil. Bean meal saw aggressive profit taking in the form of long liquidation that drug prices to the downside. Bean oil. Uh, was also pressed was also pressured by sharp losses in crude oil futures. Export sales of beans. Get this, guys. Export sales of beans in the week ended November nine were a new high for the marketing year. Totaled three point nine two million metric tons, but even at that impressive tally, so sales were just in line with trade expectations. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 220,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to unknown destinations. January beans still have supported this week's low of 13.50 and a quarter. January beans 24 and 3 quarter cents lower 13.60 and a quarter. March beans down 24 and a half 13.75. May beans closed at 13.86 and a half down 24 and a quarter cents. December cotton today 27 points higher 78.68. And in the livestock, after three days of gain, sellers stampeded back into the cattle market. December futures opened near session highs, closed near session lows, but still have supported this week's low of 173.55. December live cattle futures down 302.5 to 174.75. And February futures down 345 to 175.32.5. January feeders down 340 to 227. 50. Lean hogs recovered from early losses to close with moderate gains. December hogs 42 and a half cents higher at 71.47 and a half and February hogs up 72 and a half cents to 75.62 and a half. Back to you Ted. All right, Chip, thanks buddy. I uh, I think we might have found your new calling as a news guy. <laughs> uh no, as, as always fantastic buddy. Thanks again. And, and as you said, a new marketing year high for soybean export sales indeed. In fact, I think there's a bit more to say about that. And I can't wait to hear what Karen has to say because I know she's got some things to say there. Uh, in the meantime, hey, we got Oliver Slope. Oliver, uh, hey, some pretty big moves in the markets today, kind of in opposite, opposite directions when you look at the row crops. Um, certainly a lot of outside market influences. What were you looking at today? Why did corn catch some strength, I guess? And uh, yeah, what are you seeing? 
Yeah, well, when we came in this morning, there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, silver linings out there, particularly in the grain markets. But we mm. saw corn kind of hold the low end of the range, uh, which is really impressive when you consider soybeans were just getting the snot kicked out of it and crude mm. oil is down over four bucks. You would have thought that maybe corn would be breaking below the low end of the range and making new lows for the move. And the fact that it held in there pretty well, I think, is fairly encouraging. I think we probably continue to chop around sideways into next week's option expiration. There's a lot of open interest in the puts and the calls at the 480 strike. So I wouldn't be surprised if CSB uh, sideways up into that uh, time frame. Uh, but once we get past that, I am still a little bit nervous that we could see more downside pressure in some of those back months. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a weather market and, and that weather market has been focused on soybeans so far, but that certainly could have uh, an impact on corn as well. Um, you know, I love how we have December option expiration. One of the biggest option expirations of the year <laughs> happening the on day a after holiday week, right? Yeah. Un- awesome. Unbelievable. I hate it, but it, it it's the way it is. Uh, it drives me crazy. We've seen, you know, Thanksgiving week be, be quiet some years and seen a lot of chaotic things. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving week as well. So yeah, absolutely. Oliver, thank you so much, buddy. Great perspective as always. Everybody else, hey, you're listening to AgriTalk, and when we come back, I'm going to be talking to Karen Braun of Reuters, and we're going to get a whole lot of new information. Thanks, guys. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. My name is Ted Seifrids from Zanarag Hedge and filling in for Chip, well, and Davis uh, here today. And, uh, well, thanks for joining me, everybody. I got to say, when I hear that... uh, Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult song coming into the second segment. It always really pumps me up. I love that song. We need more cowbell. Always need more cowbell. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, I, I like what what uh, Oliver had to say there uh, at the end. You know, I, next week's going to be a kind of a weird week. I think we'll see some pretty hefty trade volume Monday and Tuesday, but bets all bets are off after that. Uh, and so don't sleep on Friday. Big option expiration day. Um, it, it has a tendency to either be a really quiet day or a really wild day. So yeah, I don't know. Next week is, uh, always circled on my calendar. Um, anywho, uh, now we're going to start a conversation with Karen Braun. Uh, as you guys know, I've had Karen on as a guest, uh, many times. I really appreciate her coming on the show. I really appreciate the knowledge that she brings and how 
fantastic she is uh, on Twitter, but in the columns that she writes for Reuters. Uh, so again, you know, thank you, Karen, for coming on. Karen, how's everything going? How's your day? Uh, you know, actually, I was thinking about how my day was because I knew that you were going to ask me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I kind of find my myself MO. a little bit uh, like a little more positive this week because it's been sunny every day. And in mid-November in Chicago, right. that is really weird. Super so nice. So I will take it. Yeah. And it's going away, though. I mean, I don't know if you've looked at the forecast. Yeah, though. but you know what? But but it's been this week and last week. So, right. um, so yeah, tis, tis I can't complain. Season. Yeah, exactly. No complaining. Right, right, right. Well, um, you know, so much going on in the markets. It, it, really kind of a weird day. Things kind of moving in opposite directions. But certainly the feature was, you know, soybeans down uh, quite a bit, really more than anything. Um, is that mostly coming from South American weather? What's, what is the current South American weather outlook? Well, I mean, I think that you took soybeans up. I mean, from the October low, I think you added... Um, like a dollar fifty. I mean, so that's a pretty strong uh, rally for this time of year, especially. So, you know, I think that uh, we had a lot of risk already factored into the market. You know, mm-hmm. as of midweek, uh, we've been watching the weather in Brazil, uh, seeing photos on Twitter of you know wilting soybeans, yeah. uh, hearing people down there say that you know this, there really is. Um, a problem in in their major state of Mato Grosso. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so of course, you know, a big problem in Brazil with soybeans. Of course, the, you know, the market has to rally. But I think, yeah. you know, we're seeing the weather change a little bit. Well, we're supposed to see it change. Right. So mm-hmm. there's some there's some rains forecast. Um, so I think that the market was thinking, well, you know, we've done a lot. Let's see if this if these rains hold. But the the situation there is uh, definitely abnormal. And it is something I think to be concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we can dismiss it. Yeah. You know, it, I understand the concern, especially, you know, if the, if the trend of hot and dry stays and, and uh, you know, it's not just been about not enough rain. I mean, they've been running above normal temperatures as well as, as you've pointed out on some of the charts that you've put on your Twitter, I, really fantastic stuff. Yes. Uh, th- again, thank you for that, by the way. Um, so, I mean, it's the hot and dry scenario. You know, but there seems to be some pretty good rain events in there from Sunday night into next Thursday. And if those happen, it might be signifying a change. So it's a weather market. We got to sort of uh, we got to sort of, you know, be on our toes here. But I I can't help but wondering to myself or asking myself a question. Um, I I haven't seen the latest planting numbers for Brazil as a whole as a whole, but I I can't imagine they're more than about 63, 65 percent planted. Can we kill a soybean crop that's only 63, 65 percent planted? That's a really good question because, um, I mean, no, so you can't, but I think you can definitely do it some harm because Mm. in Mato Grosso, you have been, you're pretty much wrapped up planting now. And so the last couple of weeks, uh, the pace definitely lagged a little bit just because it was so hot and and dry. Um, But I, but I think that uh, one thing about Brazil, and it's kind of similar to the U S is that Brazil is really big. So if you, uh, drove, or if you put in Google Maps, uh, driving from like the center of Rio Grande do Sul in the south uh, Mm. to the center of Mato Grosso, that's over 1500 miles. Mm. So, you know, if you think about that, you know, it it is hard to have everything fail at once, um, as we know here in the US. So, so, you know, are we killing the crop? No, we're not killing the crop. But 
when you're talking about a state like Mato Grosso, which is their number one corn and soybean state, and you're seeing temperatures that you haven't seen uh, in a really long time, about seven to eight degrees above normal, uh, degrees Fahrenheit above normal uh, the last uh, couple weeks. And uh, precipitation uh, so far in November is actually only 20% of the, of the full month average. So that's halfway through. Um, of course, we can make up for some of that. But, um, but you know, that, that is a concerning situation because the yeah. soils there are not like the soils in Iowa. You can mm. withstand drought in Iowa, as we saw this year in some yeah, cases, not all cases, but those soils are really, and the reason why they're so expensive is because they perform. They don't mm -hmm. have those same kind of soils in uh, Brazil, in, in Mato Grosso. So you need to see the consistent rain um, or else that moisture, you know, goes away. So, so it is, so it is, it's good to have a context, uh, mm -hmm. you know, comparing Brazil and the U.S., but really the growing situation uh, with what we're talking about here is different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, their soil is kind of more, it's like built in tile, right? It's a little sandy and, and doesn't hold moisture for long periods of time. Like, you know, our real dark black earth that we have in Iowa, Illinois, places like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. That's a very good point. You know, and I don't think really people think about that all that often. They just figure that, you know, the best growing areas in Brazil are the same. Yeah. Uh, and and I, right. I think that also, uh, you know, people point out on Twitter, you know, well, you know, you, you can't you, you got to take the precipitation anomalies in a place like Mato Grosso with a grain of salt, because, you know, below average precipitation still could be like 15 inches for a month, right. which, you yeah. know, we all know is more than enough to grow a soybean crop. But mm. uh, but, you know, th there is some degree to which like it is just not enough rain and the crop will suffer. So. I would say where we're at right now in Mato Grosso, which, by the way, is like the earliest harvested beans in Brazil. So those are the first ones to hit the export market. Yeah, I would say that those ones, uh, we probably are not looking at record yields. But I think if we see these rains come through and then especially in December, if we if we can continue to see some of those rains and, you know, maybe just a little bit less heat, I think mm -hmm. we can probably make it through with a with a decent crop, but yeah, we just got to keep an eye on it. Cause like I yeah. said, it's the first exported stuff. It's the, you know, right in January, they're harvesting it and they're shipping it out. So, and that's going to impact, uh, you know, the U S uh, you know, our yeah. export window potentially. Right. A a absolutely. Fantastic point. You know, um, because if, if there has to be replant, if the, uh, if harvest is, is later than normal at all, or harvest is, you know, not good, well, that extends our export window, and that gives us a better chance to hitting the USDA's targets or, or beating them, potentially, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, that's an excellent point. And just to recap, like you said, we've put in, um, you know, close to a dollar and 40 cents uh, weather premium from the lows that we had in early October, which came on a day where we had a WASDI report that gave us a unchanged carryover. It wasn't a terribly bearish uh, report. It just... Uh, all right, sorry, it wasn't a terribly bullish report. It just really wasn't bearish. And then on top of that, we were able to add uh, quite a bit of weather premium. So, but at this point, is enough enough? And if these rains do materialize, is this the turning point of their growing season? And will it not necessarily give us bumper crop, give them bumper crops, but, you know, stop the bleeding, really, for that matter. Right, uh, so, yes, right. all, all really fantastic points. Um, you know, I, I, I do wonder... <clears throat> I think there's a lot of different places we can go with this. We talked about the export sales window, and I really do want to get into export sales, but I don't think we have enough time to do that at the end of this segment. So I want to kind of save that for next segment. 
And then my other question, obviously, is going to be, you know, what does this mean for corn? Because at the moment, corn hasn't really responded. I don't know if we have enough time for that yet either. <clears throat> but let's start with that conversation, <laughs> right? You know, sure. corn had a reversal higher on Monday. But aside from that, corn was marching into new recent lows. I, I hesitate to say contract lows because the D December contracts trade forever. And that December 23 contract had been trading lower back in September of 2021. So technically speaking, not a contract low, but either way, over two years uh, since we've been there. Uh, but just recently, we've started to catch on to that. So is this becoming more of a corn situation? It's not going to become a corn situation until early next year because, you know, delays with soybeans in Mato Grosso uh, delay their corn planting, which then threatens, uh, you know, their reproductive window with potential return to dry weather. So that's really the risk for uh, Brazil. And we saw that in 2015-16 with mm -hmm. the uh, strong El Nino we had that year, uh, that we were in a similar situation uh, in Mato Grosso. Not exactly the same, but somewhat similar. And we saw soybean yield losses there. And then we saw really big losses on their second crop corn. Oh, awesome. Well done. Great timing. And uh, okay, thank you. Now we have to go to break, everybody. You're listening to AgriTalk. We're going to continue our conversation with Karen Braun when we come back. Once again, my name is Ted Seifert from Zaner Ag Hedge. We'll be right back with you. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Let's go over to the ProFarmer.com market page and take a look at the closing markets. December HRW wheat futures, 12 and a half cents lower, 627 and a quarter. December SRW wheat down 7 cents to 553 and a half. December corn futures, 4 cents higher, 474 and three quarters. March corn up 4 and three quarter cents to 493 and a quarter. January soybeans today, 24 and three quarter cents lower at 1360 and a quarter. March beans down 24 and a half. To 1375. December cotton today, 27 points higher at 78.68. December live cattle trade today down three dollars, two and a half cents to 174.75. January feeders down 340 to 227.50. And in hog trade, December hogs 42 and a half cents higher at 71.47 and a half. Hey, get more information at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Stressed down or 
Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. My name is Ted Cypher from Zaner Ag Hedge. We are talking with Karen Braun of Reuters, uh, and we have been covering mostly South America to start with. But there is a, a, a tangent here where, you know, everything's related. And the issues or potential issues or uh, maybe the Brazilian crop not being quite as big as once thought does have impact on us as well. And we saw some pretty large export sales this week. So, Karen, what does this all mean? Right. I mean, what does it mean for us and what, what does it mean for our exports and, right. and prices going forward? Right. Well, I mean, I, I obviously talked about in the first segment, the weather risks uh, to the crop in Brazil, especially mm-hmm. in Mato Grosso. But um you know, I, I think that I, I don't want to mislead people in that, you know, this is going to be some big event, at least not yet. Um, mm. But, you know, Brazil is capable of producing a huge soybean crop. They keep pushing to new records. And, you know, the, the USDA right now, if you just look at uh, the U.S., Argentina and Brazil together mm-hmm. um, in 23-24, their production combined is about 24 million tons higher than last year. That's about 880 million bushels, which is roughly four times the U.S. carryout. So you think about that. Mm-hmm. That is significant. So, you know, if you lost, you know, some of the crop in Mato Grosso, some of the crop in the U.S. like we did, and, you know, some of the crop in Argentina, which is still very much to be determined, but, you know, you, you have, you do have some room. And the reason you have room is because China's soybean demand is flat on the year. And that's a very, very big deal. And uh, we cannot overlook that because that is um, crucial and, and very central to uh, global soybean trade. Yeah, why do you think that is, Karen? Well, their crush margins have been pretty bad uh, mm. lately and actually uh, seasonally pretty bad. I mean, normally this time of year, they're, they're not so bad, but they've been pretty negative. Not as much as they were last month, but, um, you know, yeah, I think they've got a lot of arrivals from Brazil um, coming now. and. Um, you know, their their demand, they've had problems with, um, you know, hog prices uh, throughout the year. So um, I just I just don't think that their demand is quite as robust as maybe we were hoping it would be, you know, yeah. years ago when we figured out, oh, China's demand is is just a, you know, never ending, you know, trip to the moon. Well, yeah. it, 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 it's not. And we're seeing that it's not. Right. And I suppose something could change. And we always have to look for you know, some sign that some dynamic is changing in the market. But as we sit here now and we see the same number in 23, 24, as in 22, 23, mm-hmm. and we see 24 million more tons of soybeans being produced in the big three, like this creates supply, which is generally not favorable for prices. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And just to, you know, uh, to your point, right? Uh, so everybody knows uh, soybean imports from China currently pegged at 100 million metric tons by the USDA last year was 100.85. So yeah, right, right exactly the same. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, how that carries into the world ending stocks number. I mean, you, you, production, demand, you put those two together, right. you get world ending stocks. Right. Uh, and we're looking, last year was 100.31 million metric tons. The last estimate on the November WASI report was 114.51 million metric tons. Right. So while while those ending stocks aren't you know really showing up here, the global ending stocks are well that's more than 10 percent. That's roughly 15 percent increase. So yeah, right. They're very well, very good point. However, yep. you know, 
you mentioned Argentina. If Argentina, I mean, how is Argentina looking? Could they lose part of their crop? Can can this really get to a point where we lose fifteen million, more than fifteen million metric tons? It's definitely too early to say in Argentina. I mean, if you look at the like last three months, August uh, through October, uh, there's the precipitation there was just as uh, minimal as it was a year ago. It was about the mm. same. Um, and so the wheat crop has just gotten smoked. I mean, yeah. their yields, I think they're looking at almost 20% below trend now. Ooh. Last year was like 30% below trend. So, you know, the rains that have recently turned on came too late for the wheat. But the first half of November, uh, the rains um, are equal to what they saw in all of November last year. And there's still a half a month to go. And the mm -hmm. forecast does look like uh, there are some more rains coming over the next couple of weeks. So I would say that it's definitely positive. Um, I know that uh, the corn planting has been impacted by the earlier dryness and exchanges down there are taking away some corn acres and adding some soybean acres. So that is just going to only add to the potential of the Argentine soybean crop. But I think that what we have to remember in the context of the global market is that it has been a few years since we've seen Argentina's soybean potential. It was kind of like Australia and wheat uh, a few years ago. Remember they had those three terrible wheat crops yeah. and then it, you know, their luck reversed. And it was like, oh wait, <laughs> I remember what it was like when mm -hmm. Australia used to grow wheat. So I, I kind of have a feeling we could see this impact with Argentina in the soybean trade and Australia and wheat is only kind of a loose example because you have a lot more wheat exporters than just Australia mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, soybeans, it's the U S Brazil, Argentina to some degree on the raw beans, but yeah. then obviously the products are, are really their strength. Yeah. I mean, they, they export mostly the meal. They, they're crushers, right? But you know, our crush has been strong crush margins in here and Brazil have been strong because we're exporting a lot of products well, if Argentina comes back online with currently pegged at a 48 million metric ton crop compared to last year, uh, where their production was a abysmal 25 million metric tons, well, that probably puts pressure on our crush margins, our soybean meal exports in particular, uh, and to some extent, Brazil's too. So yes, Argentina matters, maybe not from a physical export of raw soybeans, but in the great scheme of things, it certainly, certainly does. But Argentina is uh, going to be able to start crushing if they have a decent crop, start crushing in about mid-April. So mm. until then, the world is still going to be short soybean meal. So until then, you know, the U.S. definitely has a window uh, to continue the strong soy meal demand that we've seen. Strong. That's great. To, that's great. And, and also, you know, strong soybean meal demand. But you know, look at the soybean exports this week. They were really fantastic. As Chip said in the opening, there's a marketing year high. Uh, I read some stuff on your Twitter, but I'll let you say it. Uh, might be more than that. Yeah, no, it was an all-time high. So this is the um, this is a record week for uh, sales within the same marketing year. So you'll see stats where it's you know total combined sales, old crop plus new crop. Mm. Um, but I'm just talking about sales in the current marketing year. This was mm. a record by a lot. Um, by a lot. And, um, you know, you obviously saw China in there really big, um, yeah. unknown in there who could be China, right? Um, pretty big. So, um, and I think it's interesting to point out that um, last year, the same week, you had a really big sale as well. Hmm. And last year, um, that was totally off the radar. Like no one expected that. Hmm. Um, this year, we obviously expected it. But, you know, this just kind of tells me this pattern of 
you know, maybe this timing kind of suggests to me that it's more maybe routine buying, maybe for reserves, um, mm -hmm. rather than motivated by uh, Brazil weather, because because really that would not come to fruition or play out until um, sometime next year anyways, if Brazil was really going to be losing its soybean crop. Hmm. Well, you know, and we did, we had that, you know, ceremonial signing, which hadn't happened since 2017. And um, I don't know, I, th I think a lot of people are, are suggesting or thinking that this is just the, the fruition to use your word uh, fruition of that, you know? So yeah. Okay. That, that is interesting. Now the big question is, is, you know, if China really is concerned about Brazilian weather at this point, maybe these big export sales would keep up uh, for the next few weeks. So I think the next few weeks are going to be pretty important to see, um, you know, what happens with that. Right. But this big export sale week that we just had, obviously that is a very large number. Like you said, you know, record for any week that does a lot to catch us up to the, to the USDA's target. Does it not? It does. Yeah, it does, but we're still a little bit behind. So, um, so that so now where we're at with our total sales is about 59% of USDA's forecast. And um, in a non-trade war year, we should be around 66%. So we're about seven points below maybe the average. But last week, we were 13 points below. So, you know, we made up six percentage points in a week. So that's pretty big. So I would say right now, it's not urgent to continue to see huge weeks of sales. But I would say you can't sleep on it either. Um, we can't see the demand totally shut off. And I'm not sure right now that China is concerned about Brazil's uh, weather because they are still getting pretty strong soybean shipments from Brazil arriving mm -hmm. at their ports today. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's something to remember. Yeah, it, it's it's all related, right? I mean, <clears throat> yes. so if, if the Brazilian sellers were worried, super worried about their crop, they would really be slowing down their sales to China, or at least, you know, they'd be raising their prices dramatically uh, because they want to hold on to some of that product because of, of the uncertainty, but they're not. Yeah. So yeah. therefore China, that, that trickles to China, they, they don't get concerned. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how the global market works. Speaking of interesting, Karen, I am loving this conversation. Um, if you don't mind, can you come back uh, for, for the last part of the show? Because I still have more questions. I didn't even get, you know, more than two thirds down my list. So if you don't mind, <laughs> I really not. appreciate that'd, that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so everybody, you know, just to recap, uh, we've covered a lot on soybeans. We talked about corn briefly. I, I want to talk about when we come back about how the Ukraine offering insurance to ships affects the global market as a whole. Uh, I have a feeling Karen's got some things to say about that. And then really, you know, I'm going to go back to the baseline projections that we had um, earlier in the month, uh, looking out into multiple years, but in particular, as it pertains to, you know, what happens with next year. So uh, just kind of, like I said, I didn't get to all the questions and this, this segment is for all intents and purposes done. So going to have Karen come back. Everybody stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have more AgriTalk. We're going to have more conversation with Karen Braun from Thomson Reuters. Uh, and yeah, everybody, stay tuned. Produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. And I'm Ted Seifert from Zaner Ag Hedge. We're coming into the home stretch and we've been having a conversation with Karen Braun of Reuters. Um, we've kept her on for the last part because, again, there's a couple more things that I would like to get to. Um, and, you know, to kind of start off with, I, I alluded to, to it at the end of last segment. We saw kind of an under the radar news story earlier in the week, uh, and that was that the uh, Ukrainian government is going to step in and offer um, they've partnered with Lloyd's of London and another reinsurance company uh, to offer shipping insurance, which has been a big concern for corn and wheat shipments out of you uh, out of Ukraine, obviously because of the issues going on in the black sea. Um, and we reacted to it for one day, you know, we were down, we kind of uh, reversed out of that uh, the bigger, the big outside higher day that we had on Monday. Uh, we took some of that back. But then we really didn't follow through on that today. So I, I, just my two cents on that, um, you know, I, I think the market just doesn't know what to make of that. You know, it, it doesn't mean that the unrest in the Black Sea is over with. It doesn't mean that there won't be delays and shipping problems. And it's kind of unclear exactly how much the Ukraine is going to get out. So, you know, it was a one day thing and it's sort of a wait and see and we'll have to go from there. So again, I, I did want to touch on that. But now with Karen, I want to sort of focus on, you know, what we saw on the Outlook Forum. Um, there were some, you know, the longer term projections. You got to take them with a grain of salt. But I don't know. I think that there were some pretty interesting numbers on that. Karen, what did you see? Well, I think that, um, you know, they're not really that surprising. And, you know, you, you can't take it, like you said, with, uh, you know, too much weight just because these are just for budgetary purposes. USDA does these every year based on the October supply and demand, uh, global supply and demand numbers, and they project out 10 years just for uh, you know internal budgetary use. Uh, but the upcoming marketing year is where they put a little bit more, uh, they focus a little bit more uh, specific detail um, in, you know, looking at the acres and um, some of the demand stuff. So, um, so what I think is interesting, and you know, I've been talking about this for a couple years now, yeah. mm -hmm. but they have 2024 US trend yield in at 181 bushels per acre. And <laughs> as we remember, mm -hmm. we had 181 and a half mm -hmm. to start out with last year. And I know that that upset a lot of people because if you are projecting a yield that's never been seen before and then, you know, blowing up the balance sheet because of it, and then it doesn't really happen. Well, you know, you've missed price opportunities because, you know, we thought, oh no, there's yeah. you know too much corn. And then, you know, too there wasn't that corn. Yeah. Right. And, it and was. so Right. Right. And so and so what what 
what my criticism is now is that now you've had U.S. corn yield land below USDA's trend for five years in a row. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that something like 180 isn't possible because you do have those unicorn years. They happen. It will happen again. But I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. But I'm in USDA says that 181 is under average weather. 181 (laughs) and a half in 2023 was under average weather conditions. And (laughs) my argument is that they are not accurately um, portraying what average is. Now, the one thing I do have to say about this is that if you take their 181 and a half and you go through their yield model, all the little details, and you plug in all the weather variables that happen, you actually do end up coming to uh, you know USDA's recent yield. So you'll see that it does actually work. But my criticism would be, like, do you have to adjust it down that hard? Maybe you don't need yeah. such hard downward adjustments because, yes, you're projecting a yield now for 2024 that is more than four bushels above what we've ever seen. And four bushels is significant. It's significant. So, yeah. And so I just want to tell everybody that when you see, uh, you know, in February, the <laughs> Outlook Forum numbers, and then yeah. in May, when we get the first official 24-25 balance sheets, you will likely see 181 there for the corn yield, so you can go ahead and prepare your angry tweets, yeah. um, you know, whatever you need to do, um, <laughs> but um, but it will continue to be uh, a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and again, it, that's under quote unquote normal weather, which right. I don't even know if we know what that is anymore for that matter. I don't think so, honestly. Yeah. No. Um, but you know, Karen, I I, I kind of feel like they're listening listening to you a little bit because you know this trend line yield is lower than what they had for last year, and, and you know trend line yield I think just by definition means it should be going higher. So that there obviously is some sort of massaging going on with those numbers. Well, well, no, because you've added in twenty twenty three now is another lower number. So uh, like your yeah. projection kind of comes down a little bit, and that's happened in the last couple of years because you've seen some lower yield. So, you know, you bring it, you bring it down as, you know, you, you move into like year one. Right. So, so last year for 2024, uh, they showed, you know, in this same release, they showed 183 and a half for 2024. Now it's come down and that's actually a common trend. So I wouldn't say so, but what they told me, and I asked the USDA uh, guy himself that wrote this model and he said, no, there are no plans to adjust the methodology or tweak any of the assumptions that they're making. So no, this is, this is what it is. And, um, you know, I think someday it's going to work someday. We're going to maybe get a huge yield. Maybe we won't. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, I I think that it's under more scrutiny than ever here in 2024, because if you don't hit that 181, then, you know, honestly, what are they doing? I I just think that, you know, you've got to maybe adjust that somehow. Yeah. You know, and we will, uh, one of these years, we will have that huge yield huge absolutely <laughs> but it might not be normal weather that does it right that's that's kind of the thing um so i don't know it's uh certainly it'll be special weather special you know, weather we don't have the time to do it but the bigger broader conversation is you know have we sort of plateaued as the seed technology plateaued the planting practices everything like that and and you know maybe that is the case right so i think there are people in both camps honestly i think yes so and too. no 
Well, Karen, thank you so much for for doing the extended guest uh, version today. Uh, really appreciate everything you do, and, and and really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks so much, Ted. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day, everybody else. You know, tomorrow Chip will be back tomorrow morning with a free for all with Chip Davis, Tom Sell of Combest Sell and Associates, and U.S. Senator Joni Ernst. And then tomorrow afternoon, Davis is guest hosting with his guest, uh, Ben Brown of Mizzou. So that should be a rather interesting conversation. So everybody come on back tomorrow and listen to both shows for that matter. Uh, in the meantime, I have been and will continue to be Ted Seifried of Zaner Ag Hedge. It's been my pleasure being your guide this afternoon. I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful day and uh, yeah, hopefully talk to you again soon. Take care.